0: Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday morning podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for leading us in worship today. We're glad you've come to uh, spend this time. As we open God's Word, I'd like to ask you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. I want to remind you, as we do so, we are continuing um, our worship time. Everything we do this morning is in praise and honor of our Lord Jesus Christ, honor to our God and Father, and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to continue to worship by considering His Word together this morning. Ephesians chapter 6. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we open your word, uh, once again we pray that it would be your words that we would hear and listen to. We thank you so much for your word and that we can come and open it freely to share it, to proclaim it, and to live by it. And so we ask now your presence with us for these next few moments as we continue to worship you. In Christ's name, amen. Certainly on the uh, 4th of July holiday, we are reminded of uh, our heritage in our country. The United States of America, and we uh, once again give thanks that we can come like this and freely open the Bible with uh, no fear, and we can proclaim it. And uh, we give thanks, as we are reminded this past week, of uh, this uh, in our country, the, uh, this, uh, this great experiment, if you were, in democracy, and, uh, the, and the history we've had, and those who have maintained our freedom. And we give thanks for those who have defended it and allow the many who have sacrificed their lives. And it's always Memorial Day and Veterans Day and Fourth of July and holidays like this. We are part of a community. God has placed us here in this community. We have brothers and sisters around the world, in countries and nations around the world. God has placed us here. We are part of this community. We are part of this country. And we are also part of the international body of Christ, God's people around the world that we unite with And we stand together with. And so we are a blessed people. Amen? And we are thankful today that we can come and freely proclaim this word. There are many around the world today, as we well know, who many pastors who to stand up and proclaim this word will be in jail this week for doing so. Uh, Others will be tortured. Others will lose jobs and lose income. And uh, we are part of that family around the world. And we need to pray for our brothers and sisters around the world who do what I do today with relative ease and freedom, uh, who do so with great danger and great cost. And we must remember to pray for them as well. Now, Ephesians chapter 6 this morning, we're going to continue our uh, study of the spiritual armor, the spiritual warfare that we are engaged with. We began this in verse 11. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on. And we are reminded by the Apostle Paul that we are engaged in a spiritual battle and spiritual warfare. It's a serious issue. The Bible tells us that our adversary, the devil, goes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And we we believe, as our doctrinal statement in our church uh, states uh, we believe in a personal active devil uh, we do not believe it's just a name for evil or whatever we believe there is a actual literal devil of course that uh, fell and that uh, demons that fell with him uh, angels that fell with him that are part of his host and he is active in trying to destroy God's work on this world which we are part of and if you're part of God's family if you are part of God's uh, the body of Christ the church the body of Christ you are engaged in this spiritual warfare. And the good news is, the good news is, we are on the winning side. And we know that. When you read the book of Revelation, and the book of Revelation, as you read that, and a lot of times the people say, oh, it's just it's too complicated for me. Well, not really. You can read it. It was, it was written to people just like, just like us. They were believers, and they had their book, and they read it. And there, if you read it with this in mind, there's a big message in the book of Revelation. <clears throat> and when you get to the end of the book, of course, it's so clear. And the big message is God wins. And everything else leads up to that. And God has already established the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the cross of Calvary. And so last week, as we um, considered this uh, spiritual warfare, and uh, the, the picture we want to keep in front of us is the same picture that the Apostle Paul had, and that is of a Roman soldier. Um, the Roman soldier was typical of many of the, the, the military uh, uh, setups from around the ancient world. But, of course, this was the predominant one. I remember our first trip to Israel back in 1985. One of the things that struck me, uh, this, the first day we were there, was the presence of military. Everywhere you went, there was Military. I mean, they were, and they were all in fatigues. They were all carrying machine guns and rifles. And there were men and women. There were young girls the age of uh, you, you girls here that have just graduated from high school. Um, young men. Everywhere you went, there's there's military. The presence is everywhere. And, of course, you understand why. And in Paul's day, it was the same thing. The, the Roman soldiers were everywhere. And, of course, as he writes this, he is in prison in Rome under house arrest. So he is with the Roman soldier all the time. And I'm sure... That this became the, the visual that God inspired him by the Holy Spirit to use to describe the warfare that we are involved in. And so, and, I, and I've always been, uh, I've always been a, a student of history. I love history. And of course, if you love history and you read the history of that, of, the, of that era of, of the world and you realize uh, the, the extent of the Roman army, the Roman Empire, they were the most feared military, the most dominant. They were the superpower. Um, throughout the entire world, and so last week, as we began this, and just just to review real quickly, where Paul says in verse 13 to put on the full armor of God, you'll notice we looked, we emphasized to stand your ground, stand your ground. This is a, if you will, a defensive stand. Uh, we are not out, you and I. We are not going to defeat the devil. We are God is going to do that, but we are to stand against the the the, the spiritual. Uh, forces that we are arrayed against. And of course Satan is the leader of that. And so he says when that day of evil comes that you can stand in verse 13. So verse 14 we looked at the belt of truth. And that was that belt of leather equipment that protected and represented the belt of truth. And we talked about the importance of truth in our lives. Every day, every, every opportunity we have to be truthful with one another. To be truthful with our families and with each other. We then talked about the breastplate of righteousness, and the Roman soldiers would wear that body armor, if you will, that they wore to protect themselves uh, against the arrows and the swords and the and the rocks and everything else that, that came their way. That breastplate of righteousness. And Paul says that we are to live in righteousness. And I suggested to you that each one of these characteristics are things that have already been accomplished for us. We are in Christ's righteousness. And we preach at our church that we are identified with Christ. When God looks at me, he sees me in Jesus Christ. So therefore, he sees me in Christ's righteousness because he paid for my sins. He took my place and I'm identified. I am placed into Jesus Christ. That is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit took us and placed us into Jesus Christ. The one baptism that matters, that baptism by the Holy Spirit of placing us into Christ. So therefore, I am righteous. And I am to live every day reflecting what I am and to live live righteously. We are to live righteous and godly and as a breastplate of righteousness. We then talked about the shoes. And I mentioned to you that these shoes that are mentioned here are the ones with the hobnail cleats that were placed in the ground and that they could take their stand against the wiles of the devil, as the King James says. The wiles of the devil. To take your stand in the gospel of peace. To we we are to be at peace. And I suggested to you that the emphasis here, I think, since, since all these are written to the community of faith as well, to the family, to the group, that we are if we stand at peace with one another, as we proclaim the gospel of peace, and we are at peace and live at peace and live seeking unity, and 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 to live. And, and the unity that God is, would have us, as Paul mentioned in Ephesians 4, the unities, the, one, the oneness that we are to have. If we take that stand together in unity, and as my brother Claude mentioned this morning, I appreciate when, when you interact with these scriptures and you come up to me and say, hey, you know, this, this occurred to me. Did you think of this? And my friend Claude this morning mentioned that, you know, this idea that occurred to him, the idea of while the soldier is standing in the middle of a battle, he can be at peace. He can be at peace. And, and, and some of you right now are, are feeling and understanding that. You're, you're in a battle. And you're really feeling that, that warfare and that battle. And yet you also have that sense of God's peace about you in the middle of a battle that only the Holy Spirit can give you. If you haven't experienced that, you will. And God will give you that peace. And we've been praying for Francis and for Debbie. Um, you know, in the loss of a, of, a, of, a, of a daughter and a sister, and how hard that is. And and yet, to, to, to believe that, that God will, will give you peace. God will give you peace. Even in times of loss and in times of dis, discouragement and, and difficulty, and hardship. So with um, Doris on Friday night, and she was looking forward to that surgery on Saturday morning. She was, you know, just like that, broke her hip. She was sitting right here last Sunday morning. And her family came and joined her. Um, but yet, she had that peace. Even though it hurt, it was difficult, But yet there was a peace. And I hear this over and over and over. As I reflect back on my years in the ministry, it be 30 years I've been in full-time Christian ministry, I reflect back on all the visits, visits with many of you, many of you, As, as we have talked, and we talk about that peace and how often what I hear over and over and over again, yes, I, I understand that. God has given me peace, even in this most difficult situation. Only God can do that. Amen? The peace. And so we shed, we shot our feet with the gospel of peace. And then finally, three more articles of weapon today that we want, we want to talk about that, that Paul lists here by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That I also mentioned last week this idea, I like this, this image of the soldier standing with his feet firmly in the ground, ready to defend his ground. And God has called us to defend our ground and to hold this territory as we expand the ministry of Jesus Christ. It's good to have our missionary friends with us today. that are going to be going out with new tribes. Uh, Kim and Casey are home from Africa. You guys had a good trip, and we'll have to get a report on that. Uh, hey, Bruce, Judy, good to see you guys this morning. Yeah, amen. And uh, they're home from Africa. And uh, Julia Young is in Costa Rica serving. At the end of the service today, we're going to pray for our guys going to Tanzania. Uh, they're all over the world. God's people are holding their ground. Holding their ground and defending it. And then as God enlarges it and moves out and gives us new territory, we are to stand our ground. And so Paul says here, and let's look at the next, the next three here this morning. Paul says in verse 16, In addition to all this, Take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And so we have this Roman shield, the shield of faith. Really, um, you know, the best, the best uh, translation of this might be um, that, that he says, "In addition to all." And there's some question: is this overall? You know, the Greek, like the English, the English, there are different ways you can emphasize the words. And I think probably myself, the best translation, best understanding is an addition to all the word for faith in the New Testament. pistuos can be faith. It can be trust. It can be belief. And once again, there is the Christian faith. I have the Christian faith. Uh, I have the, you know, in factors. This would be a whole other study, but you know, there are places where it talks about we've been given the faith of Jesus Christ. It was Christ's faithfulness, it was Christ's faithfulness, and going to the cross of Calvary, that has been given to me when I received Christ as my Savior, and I become part of the Christian faith, if you will. And my faith was placed in His salvation, but it was His work on the cross that saved me and I placed my faith as a young boy and I received that payment for my sin. And I received, if you will, the faith of His faithfulness of going to the cross of Calvary. And Paul says that we are to have the the shield of faith. And so that faith that I possess as a Christian also becomes a daily participation in it. That I live by faith. You know, the Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter. Faith is the evidence of things uh, you know, hope for things not seen, and it's and it's it's the, it's it's the whole uh, ramification of what it means to be a believer. The shield of faith that the Romans used—you've probably seen pictures of this—but this actually was a layered uh, implement of warfare, and uh, the the previous it, it really comes from the Greek word that means a door. And it was about four feet. It was about four feet high. It was a large shield. Uh, there was an inner layer. And then there was an outer layer of sort of a leather, and then it was decorated. Of course, this would be a, um, one for like a, uh, you know, an honor guard type thing and so forth. Normally in battle, they wouldn't be maybe quite as ornate. They could be. And they would have metal around the edges to protect it when it was placed in the ground. Um, when, I was, when I was a kid, I used to have, you know, toys, like every kid, you know, soldiers, named they always said, well, we have them called little guys. They're about this big. Get a package of them for 50 cents. And one would be a whole set of Roman military. And there was a whole bunch of them with these guys like this, laying in the ground. And you would take that shield and attach it to a little stick, little post on the guy's hand, and you could stick it on there. And was about this big, though. Okay. And uh, then they could, I could, we'd line them up. You know, me and my friend, we'd sign, we'd line up these little guys, we'd call them for hours. And then the war was over. You know, I mean, what do you do? You know, you line up all these little guys, you can't really do anything with them. It's like a video game or something. And then it was over. But I always remember the, those guys holding those shields. And the Romans would set up, you know, this was, the, this was the terror of the Roman army when the phalanx would come, and there would be like roll after roll after roll of, of, of these legionaries with their shields in place. And these shields, because there was a leather on them as well, they were dipped in water before battle. They were dipped in water. They were soaked. And so when they went into battle, because a common, uh, a common thing they faced is what Paul describes here, the fiery darts of the enemy. And what, and, what the, and what the enemies would do and what the Romans would do too is they would dip their spears or their, or their or arrows in pitch, light them on fire, and shoot them. And of course a spear or an arrow, uh, much like the, for any of you that have you know, been in battle, and I know you read the accounts of those in battle, one of the feared weapons is a mortar. Because a mortar can be placed on the ground behind a hill uh, completely out of sight and launch uh, you know, launch uh, explosive up in the air that comes back down and not, not even see you. And the same with the arrows and the spears. They could be launched up in the air. They can come from all sorts of directions. And they're on fire. And the shield could be used to catch those spears, those arrows. And in that and in the wet shield, it would be extinguished. And so this is what Paul describes here, that the shield that we have been given by God is the shield of, the, the, in, in verse 16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, of faith. And I think Paul here has in mind our salvation faith and our living daily faith. Do you live by faith every day? You know, I'd love, I'd love to be able to say, well, you know, I'm your pastor, and I, I never worry, I never am anxious about anything. Do you believe that? No, you don't, because you know I'm a human, just like you, and there are many things that I I, I think about that bring me anxiety. Almost always, it's something to do with the future, right? I'm not that worried about what's happening right now, because once it happens, then, you know, you you face it and you deal with it. It's mostly things in the future that we worry about, whether it's economics, whether it's traveling to Africa, right there, Patrick, leaving on Tuesday to go to Tanzania. Um, uh, You know, whether it's uh, a health situation, it's, it's the things that the unknown down the road... And remember our Lord Jesus Christ said, Consider the birds of the air. They don't gather and stow in the barns, but yet God feeds them. Well, they work. Watch the birds. They're constantly working, but God feeds them. And, and he says, Consider the lilies of the field. They neither toil nor spin, yet God clothes them. They're here today and gone. How much more? More. How much more, you of little faith, how much more will God take care of you? And we know that. And we look, I look back on my life. I look back on the, on the years that, that, that I've walked with the Lord, and, and I know that's true. He has never let me or my family down, ever. Life's not always easy. But He brings you through that, and He provides the grace and the strength and the peace you need each day. We are to live by faith, and that faith becomes a shield, friends, as we live by faith, and as we live by faith as a community, as a body, as our missionaries go out, as, our, as those representing us and that we are connected with go out, we go out with them together. We live as a community. And our faith that, yes, God will provide. God will provide. God will take care. It becomes a shield. And as Satan hurls those darts from places we never knew where they came from, and that fiery arrow all of a sudden is in the air and we had no idea where it was launched from. And here, and there it is. And it's a surprise. It's the shield of faith. But the one thing about the shield of faith, and you think about it, It is only really useful as you are facing the enemy. Once you turn and take the shield with you, you are completely exposed and there's no armor on back. The shield is good when you're facing the enemy. Even if you're taking steps backwards, it is still good when you are facing the enemy. But when you turn and run and give up and put the shield on the other side, you are exposed to the fiery darts of the wicked ones. Friends, we are to live by Faith. We are to walk by faith. And whatever God has in your path today, that you're beginning to wonder, "Am I really going to get through this? Am I really gonna? Am I really going to have enough money for that? Is my job really going to be there? Um, are my, is my family going to be okay? Uh, you know, whatever it is, is that relationship? Is there any hope for that relationship? Whatever it is. The Bible says we are to live by faith and trust and believe God and that becomes a shield of faith. These Roman shields were networked together to form that phalanx that the enemy would look at and it would strike terror in their hearts. And as we network together and stand together and there are times where maybe you really are weak and your brother or sister is really strong and we network together we can stand together against the wiles of the devil. The second or the fourth thing that we're going to look at, the uh, fifth thing actually, there's a second one today, is the helmet of salvation. Again, the Roman helmet I have here as an example is sort of an ornate one. Uh, one that, you know, the ones that went into battle oftentimes were not quite as fancy. But Paul is with Roman guards in Rome. And, and Paul says here in verse 17, Take the helmet of salvation, and that's all he says. That's it. Take the helmet of salvation, the helmet of salvation. But when you think when you think about it, when you think about really, it literally, literally in the Greek, it would say maybe something like the helmet of the saving, the helmet of the saving, and you'd have to kind of fill in the person thing or event. The helmet of the saving. Take the helmet of the saving. Now these last two, these last two articles. The helmet and the sword are ones that would be given to the soldier. Up to now, it Paul says, "Take, put on, put on, put on." Here it's really receive, because the armor bearer, the armor bearer would be the one to hand you the helmet and to hand you the sword. You've already got your shield in place, you've got your equipment on, and the helmet would often be taken and placed on the soldier by an armor bearer or by an assistant. You receive this, and we receive salvation. We receive, you know, that word salvation is a very um, a multifaceted word, isn't it? What does salvation mean to you? If I were to ask you right now, take out a piece of paper and write down, what does salvation mean to you? What does it mean to you that you're saved? What does it mean? Well, it means many things to me. It means I am saved from God's judgment upon sin that I deserve because His judgment was poured out on the cross of Calvary on Jesus Christ. I am saved. You know, the Bible says it's a terrible thing to fall in the hands of the living God if, if, if you have refused His forgiveness and His grace and mercy. I am I am saved from a lifestyle of sin. Paul says in Romans chapter 6 and 7, that we are to live a lifestyle of victory over sin. Yes, I sin and you sin. We we are human. We and but we can have the victory over a lifestyle of sin. Um, I am saved from the from the fears and trepidations that could come my way because of the faith that we have talked about. Salvation is multifaceted, and Paul says to take that. And it's the it's the helmet. You know, today we we are more conscious than when we were kids of. Wearing bike helmets, which is a good thing. Uh, you know, a lot of technology goes into sports like football. I, when I played football, they were just coming out with the kind you put on and they could pump up with air to, to form-fit your head. You know, technology, and that's a very important thing. And uh, in those kind of contact sports. And when you're riding bikes and things like that, the, um, horses. You know, those this week is the horsemanship uh, at, at Camp Cedarbrooks, a big part of it. And we know the helmets because we realize how vulnerable our head is to injury and how serious brain injuries and concussions can be. And we take that serious. And this is a serious, and you think of the body. I mean, if, if you only had, if you, really, if, if, you know, if funds were limited in the Roman army and they say, sorry, you can pick up one thing, what, what piece of equipment would you take? I'd probably take the helmet. That's a smaller part of my body than this part and so on. But I, I realize how vulnerable. And the, and the Bible, Paul says, take up the helmet, put it on, that God will put on the helmet of salvation. And we need to start at the very starting point this morning, friends. If you're here today, and I never want to assume, I mean, I know most of you. I don't know everybody. I know most of you. And because of my relationship with you, I know that you have trusted in Christ as your Savior. But I don't want to ever take for granted that anybody here, you maybe you may you've been coming for a while. Maybe you were raised in our church. And, you know, there comes a point in your life where you have to make a decision. Do you receive God's forgiveness for your sins? Do you really accept the fact that God loves you so much? God loves you so much that Jesus Christ came and died in the cross of Calvary to pay for your sin. To pay for your sin. And He invites you to receive salvation to receive eternal life, to not receive eternal damnation and to fall in the hands of a living God who must judge sin, but to receive forgiveness for sin, receive His love, grace, and mercy. Friends, that's the starting point. And I ask you today, before you think about anything else here, before you think about living by faith and standing in peace and righteousness and truth, if you have not received Christ as Savior, you must first put on the helmet of salvation put on the helmet of salvation receive Christ as your savior i can't think of can you think of any good reason why you would not receive god's love and forgiveness for your sins and as you put on that helmet of salvation then god allows you daily to live in that experience of salvation and as you and i live in that experience of salvation and reflect upon it and are reminded of it and engage with what god is doing in our lives we also experientially find that protection around our head that gives us the confidence when we go into battle to know that we are protected. Put on the helmet of salvation. And then finally, the last piece of armor, if you will notice as we come to this last one here, that, that and incidentally with the helmet of salvation, the, the, it's, it lines up with the, the, the imperative to stand, grab it. And allow it, put it on. When it was handed to you, place on the helmet of salvation. And then finally, we have the last one, and that is the sword of the Spirit. Verse 17, the last half of it. And that is take, take, pick it up and take. He's handed to you by the armor guard, by the armor bearer. He hands you his sword. Take it when he hands it to you. And take the sword, and notice what it is, the sword of the Spirit, This has to be the Holy Spirit. What else could that be? It has to be the Holy Spirit. The sword of the Holy Spirit, which is, which is the Word of God. But you notice the combination of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. This is so wonderful. This is the only offensive weapon. And the sword I have in the picture here in front of you, uh, last year when Pastor Gary uh, spoke on the, on, uh, from the Bible about the Word of God and it's being likened to a sword. And you remember he had that sword he wore the whole service? Okay, he wouldn't let me have that today. You know, he really he's really stingy about his swords, you know. Um, but uh, actually the reason I didn't bring it, because in this particular case, the word that's used here, it's really, it's it's, the, it's a different word. It's the short sword. You, you've seen pictures of the Roman soldiers. Um, they had this short, kind of a long dagger, if you will. This was not a fencing sword. You know, touche. This was a shorter sword they wore for close combat. And this sword that was double-edged, as the Bible tells us in Hebrews, the Word of God is what? It's sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce asunder to the marrow and to the bones, to split our soul open, if it will, as we let God's Word reveal our hearts. And the Bible says, and, and what Paul says, take the sword of the Spirit, It is the only offensive weapon. As these Roman soldier took its stand against the wiles of the devil, and as the attack came and the shield was used to to extinguish the flaming arrows, and as the attack becomes close and personal, and the Roman soldiers were trained well in in wrestling and personal combat, you know, and in in the martial arts, if you will. And and this was a big part of battle in those days. um, Because this is the way it happened as the armies crashed together. And a short sword that was the only offensive weapon that he had, this, at least the one that's mentioned here. It's the only one mentioned here. There are a lot of weapons in the Old Testament. Um, you, know, there's, you know, some people think that, that David you know, was lucky when he used that sling to slay Goliath. The Bible tells us in Judges that there was members of the army who, who with a sling could split a hair from here to that back wall. Can you imagine that? Taking that leather thing like that and letting it go, and they were so good they could hit one of those cracks. Look at look at the back wall. There, see those cracks back there? If I were good at it, okay. Now look back up here again. I'm seeing, okay. If I if I were good at it, I could hit one of those cracks. They were that good at it. There were all sorts of weapons. And David was good, and he trusted in God. He was just not. He didn't just pick up and say, "I hope this works." No, he trusted in God. He said, "In the name of God, I come to you." But he also took a weapon that he was familiar and well versed in. And, and, and knew exactly where, where that vulnerability of, of Goliath was. There are all these weapons. And in this particular case, this is the weapon that's used as the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And in closing, I want to, I just want to direct your attention to how important this is, because this is so wonderful. What's wonderful about this is everybody in this room today, everybody in this room today, no matter how old you are, how young you are, no matter what your level of education is, no matter what you feel your level of of um, proficiency in study and scripture, some of you know some of you know Greek and Hebrew. I've got pastors, you know, like, like Bruce Kemper, um, ministry probably about 150 years or something, right? I don't know how many it was, but you know, Bruce one of one of my mentors. You know, one of my mentors is uh, from from our from Emmanuel, and of course the fellowship we've had over the years. I've got every level in here. But you know what the wonderful thing is? When it comes to the Word of God, every one of us can pick it up and read it and understand it. Yes, there are sometimes things we have to get help with. Sometimes we need to do a little more reading. Sometimes we need to compare things. Sometimes we ask other people. But when all is said and done, you can understand it. You can understand it because it was written to people like us and because the Bible says this word is spiritually discerned, meaning the Holy Spirit helps you when you read it. It says that the natural man does not receive the things of God. They're foolishness. But the Holy Spirit helps you to understand it. You do not have to have years and years of Christian training. You could have hours of Christian faith and pick it up and read it and get something out of it and understand it. It becomes your sword to withstand Satan's attacks. This past week in our Bible reading for this week, and we've been following along our church Bible reading plan. i have been reading through Job. You know, And I've read Job before. And as, as we were reading it, as Teresa and I were reading it this past week, I gained something I'd never seen before in Job. I realized in reading Job how his accusers, his, his three friends... You know, his three friends who came alongside and tried to help and to help God. Of the things they accused him of, one of the things they accused him of, and I'd never really seen this before so clearly, they accused him of social injustice. We had in our class this morning, we read several scriptures from the Bible about social justice. We talked about Jacob's Well and Vision House and the ministry that, you know, whereas the church were involved with that. And Gary mentioned that this morning. Uh, you know, the Bible is, is the oldest piece of literature that addresses the importance of social justice and taking care of the poor and the needy and not oppressing people, not taking advantage of the fatherless and the widows. And they accused Job. And they they accused Job and said, basically because he was, remember it says he was one of the richest men in the world. And they assumed because he was so rich that he he must have taken advantage and oppressed the poor people. And they accused him of that over and over again. And Job stood firm and says, no, nobody has come into my town Without a home, without food, that I haven't helped, and he, and he, and he, 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 you know, he never, he never, Job never says I've never sinned, but he is, he is resisting and holding to his integrity when they keep saying God doesn't do this for nothing. You've done something, Job, and they accused him of social injustice. Now so that was for me. It was something new this week. I got out of, reading Job, and it was encouraging to me to see that. And sometimes we make those assumptions. We say, well, people that have a lot, they must have taken advantage of somebody or this or that. You don't, you don't know. We make assumptions all the time about people. And, and, and Job held to his integrity. And so, listen, friends, this is your Bible. Don't you ever, ever, and young people listen to me, please. I'm your pastor. And it's one of the greatest things about being pastor. Pastor Kevin's your pastor. Pastor Gary, we're your pastors. And Susie and Christian, our Christian Ed director, you know, we are leaders in this church. I don't know where God's going to take you. But wherever you go, if you ever find yourself in a place where someone tells you, you don't have a right to read this and to ask questions, you are in the wrong place. You do have that right. You have that responsibility. With, with respect, and dignity, but to hold leaders accountable. You have a right. You have the responsibility. If I preach something from this word that is not correct, that is not true, you do have a right to ask me, well, wait a minute, is that what it really says? We have to have that kind of engagement. We have to have that kind of interaction. This is God's word, and you have a right to read it, to know it, to understand it, and you can. Somebody say amen. You can do that. And I will close with this. And I, I love this. Look at, look at Luke chapter 4. All, all the synoptic gospels cover this. Look at, look at this. Talk about the wiles of the devil. Luke chapter 4. Jesus. We've we studied this, but I just want to remind you in closing. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit. God was in charge of this. Just like with Job. God was in charge of it. God took him up that mountain and God allowed Satan access to him. Just like he did Job. He was led by the Spirit in the desert where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing. He was hungry. At the end of it, verse 3, the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. What does Jesus answer with? It is written. Man does not live on bread alone. He answered him with Scripture. The devil led him up to a high place, showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world, and he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. You could avoid the cross at Calvary. Jesus, you can have all this anyway. I'll give it to you. Forget about the cross. I'll give you the world. Jesus doesn't say, no, it's not yours to give. Satan's prince power of the air. Jesus answered, "It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only." The devil takes him in Jerusalem, takes him to the highest point of the temple, says, "Throw yourself down." Cuz listen, throw yourself down. Satan quotes scripture. And he says and he says that he quotes in verse chapter verse 10, "He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully; they will lift you up in their hands, you will not strike your foot against a stone." Jesus responds, It says, you could say, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when Satan was finished, he left him. Listen, friends. If our Lord Jesus Christ, when he faced the wiles of the devil, what did he use to fend him off eventually? The Word of God. He was the Son of God. He was the author of, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, 3 in 1, 1 in 3. He was the author. And yet he used this word as a sword to fend off the wiles of the devil. If you don't take anything else from this, as we consider, as we, as we close, and think about these Roman soldiers, if you don't take anything else, remember anything else from this spiritual warfare and this battle, will you please remember this? Read your Bible. It's so simple. And I'll be the first to confess. I can read the newspaper cover to cover. I love, I love, I always have. I can read books. I'm still working on my book on Gettysburg. I'm about page 265. I'm going to finish that here this week. I love to read. And I'll I'll be the first to confess I have to look at myself and say, you know what? I, I read a lot today. Have, have I really spent as much time as if I read God's word? That's one of, the, that's one of Satan's wiles, one of his tricks, is, is to keep me from his word. Because he knows how powerful it is. And I just want to tell you today, friends, and I'm telling myself. I hope you believe I'm telling myself. I'm telling myself first. Let's read God's word. Let's read it. Let's think about it. Let's allow it to penetrate our lives. You can do it. It's for you. It's for you. Will you spend time this week in God's Word and see what God has for you? Would you memorize God's Word as we're doing together? Memorizing God's Word. Consider it. Listen, friends, you might be thinking, well, I, I'm going to, okay, Pastor Jim, that does it. I'm going to spend an hour a day in the Word this week. You probably are not going to do that. God bless you if you will. But you know what? I would rather have you spend five minutes in God's Word each day this week than an hour when it works out. Because you know what will happen, don't you? It's not going to work out. Five minutes. Could you give five minutes, at least, in God's Word this week as a sword of the Spirit? Let's close our service, Faith, and our last hymn. Then before we do, we're going to leave the service there. We're going to have a word of prayer with our guys going to Africa this week. Hallelujah. The J-A-H on the end is short for Yahweh. Ja, Yah. Praise Yahweh. Praise the Lord. Hallel. Praise the Lord. I want to invite, this is of closing prayer today. Pat Severson. Chris Fulford and Mark Prigmore to come up, and we want to have a word of uh, prayer for these three guys. These are our three, along with um, uh, uh, Curtis and Dirk Anderson. Dirk Anderson and his grandson Curtis. Dirk's from Leavenworth. Come on up for you guys. I won't bite you. Come on up here, and uh, especially you won't bite him. He's my son-in-law. <laughs> so, yeah, right. Let's go in order of height, there. Okay, good, you guys. Um, the two guys from Leavenworth. They're gonna and, well. Curtis is from Woodinville. They're going to meet them tomorrow at the airport. They're going to Tanzania. They're going to be there for three weeks. And uh, what are you guys going to do? Electric work. Electric work. Uh, the, a, um, a power unit has been put in there, a hydro, hydroelectric. I kept thinking it looked like Grand Coulee Dam or something. I saw a picture of it. It's like a building about like this. And there's a unit in there that has hydroelectric power, and they are going to string that power and hook up that power to the buildings um, in the, uh, that is at our mission station, but this is also TGBI. That's the uh, Grace Theological uh, Training Institute. You guys have probably been there, I imagine, and um, it's also the mission headquarters. That right now they get their electricity a few hours a day from diesel generator. This is going to really change their ministry, and they're also taking over them, over with them a computer system that's going to be set up that we, a local nonprofit here in the town, that we've been able to secure this at uh, a great uh, price and it's going to be when all is said and done we'll have 20 stations for training the pastors on how to use computers uh, for their ministry and for also for their work so that's going in their suitcases believe it or not it's four laptops and a whole bunch of small parts to virtualize it's, uh, it's wonderful they're packed electronics and everything else so these guys leave Tuesday morning they travel to um, you guys know where you're going? Zurich, Zurich. you know where that is? Yeah, Switzerland, good, okay. Yeah, you're going to Switzerland, and then from Switzerland to Dar Salaam. And where are you going from Dar Salaam, Mark? Do you know where you're going? To Mumba. Mumba, all right. You guys can kind of remember where you guys are going, okay? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're just going to go where the ticket tells them to go. And uh, are you guys nervous? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> are you nervous, Chris? Not yet. Not yet. How many times have you been out of the country? Zero. Zero, okay. How about you guys? Once. Canada and Mexico. Yeah, that counts. Okay, all right. Okay. So this is a new experience, and uh, they're going to be gone for three weeks, and they're going to be working hard. And they're also, is, they will have opportunity to minister, to share. You, you always will, right? When you get over there, you'll be asked to speak. You'll be asked to share. And that's going to be a great experience. And you helped provide the funds for this trip and the materials. So uh, let's pray for them. Let's keep them in our prayers. Remember to pray for Julia, as she is in Costa Rica, our guest at the New Tribes Mission. We give thanks to Kim and Casey at home. It's great to be involved in mission. So God bless you guys, and our prayers go with you. And we look forward to some pictures, and if you get any chance along the way to send some reports, um, send them to us, and we'll, we'll get them on our webpage and keep people posted. And they leave Tuesday morning. Their flight leaves about 8 o'clock or something like that, 8 o'clock in the morning. And that's a long trip there, okay? So let's have a word of prayer together, and um, we'll commit these guys to the Lord's work. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these three guys and their desire to serve you, their willingness is to step up and answer your call. They're all busy, they're working, they have families. And yet, Lord, you've worked this out, and you've enabled them to go. You've enabled this congregation to generously help support this through our auction and through their gifts. And Father, we pray that uh, they, are, they are going to help uh, with a physical task. The result of this physical task will be a tremendous enhancement for this ministry, a tremendous way to increase the ministry in Tanzania. And, Lord, we want to pray, of course, for safety as they travel. We pray you'll keep them in good health from illness and disease. As they're working with equipment, especially working with electricity, you'll keep them safe, Lord. And, And most of all, Father, that you'll just use them to encourage our brothers and sisters in Tanzania to, to be a, to just be a just a representative from us here that we are we are brothers and sisters we do serve together we are one family and we pray you'll use them in a wonderful wonderful way and bring them home safely we put them in your care and ask your blessing upon them in Christ our Savior's name all God's people can say together amen, amen. once you guys go out first okay as people can give they can shake your hand and wish you well